brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the Castle Dracula podcast brought to you by alexvanhelsing.com where we talk about horror, vampire movies, and anything else cool that we can shoehorn into that arena. Today, in anticipation of the upcoming vampire movie with Colin Farrell, we're talking about the original 1985 Fright Night starring Roddy McDowell and Chris Sarandon. Now bear in mind, if you haven't seen this movie, we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have. So warning, spoilers ahead. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, author of Alex Van Helsing, Voice of the Undead, which comes out from HarperCollins July 26, 2011. So get this, that's right around the corner. So now is the time to order at Amazon or your local store. Uh, Send me a note when you do. With me are Drew Edwards, the creator of the long-running horror parody comic Halloween Man, which you can find at HalloweenMan.com. Drew? Hey, how's it going? Tony Salvaggio, writer of comics like Psycom from Tokyo Pop and Clockworks from Humanoids. Tony? Howdy. And attorney Julia Guzman, who with any luck will provide us with mockery and a much-needed female perspective. That's right. Token female present. (laughs) Okay. This movie is 26 years old, and I will spare people a blow-by-blow synopsis. Here's the gist of the movie, and then we'll get into the commentary. All right. Fright Night, if you don't know or need to be reminded, tells the story of Charlie, a suburban teenager living with his mom, who comes to suspect that his next-door neighbor, the suave and sexy Jerry, the wearer of Cosby sweaters, is a vampire. Very quickly, Jerry makes it clear that Charlie is exactly right, and while Charlie tries to enlist the aid of TV horror host Peter Vincent to fight the vampire, Jerry threatens everything and everyone in Charlie's life, and after Peter is convinced that Charlie is telling the truth, Jerry the vampire kidnaps Charlie's girlfriend, Amy, in order to turn her into a vampire. In the end, Charlie must destroy Jerry in order to free Amy because before she becomes a vampire fully, which Charlie does in a major action scene through Jerry's huge, creaky house. And, um, and I've left out all the awesomeness of this movie. That, is, that description could make you actually think that this is not as exciting a movie as it is, and it totally, in my opinion, is. Uh, you want more than that, though, go to Wikipedia or YouTube where there are some awesome, awesome uh, reviews. So uh, I want to get first impressions. We'll go around the horn. It seems like last time when we talked about Van Helsing, um, I think we did ourselves a great disservice, although it was probably easy to talk for an hour about a movie like Van Helsing. This time, I think we have a slightly better movie. First impressions, uh, Drew, <laughs> tell us what you think. I love this movie. I, I my enthusiasm may um, be overwhelming. I 
I can't exactly precisely remember the very first time I've seen this, this saw this movie. I, I saw it when I was a kid back in the 80s. Um, I immediately loved it. It's got amazing pre-CGI gore effects. Yeah. Uh, Riley McDowell is great as a uh, homage to both uh, old horror hosts and, uh, of course, uh, Hammer movie horror stars. And uh, not only that, uh, as an adult, I appreciate it as sort of a precursor to uh, films like Scream as a sort of... Uh, postmodern wish fulfillment horror fan because as a I can tell you as a teenage horror fan growing up uh, for some reason you always have this nagging thought in the back of your head if I were ever to actually enter into a horror film would I be the hero and of course in this movie uh, Charlie does just that and yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun great at times even kind of creepy 80s vampire movie. It's it's just a hoot. We need to talk, when we get into context uh, in a minute after first impressions. I want to talk about what that might mean. What an 80s vampire movie is because I that's to me that's that's huge. Um, okay, Tony, first impressions. Oh, I I watched it again and I haven't seen it in a while, but periodically I go back and watch it and it's awesome. It's like everything I want from it's a I mean. 80s horror, or this kind of 80s horror, where it's kind of got a little bit of comedy and kind of self-awareness, like, it, it, it's its own thing, you know? And I'd forgotten, it's, to me, it's like, up there, it's one of the per- most perfect versions of that kind of of horror movie. And it just rocks. Like, watching it again last night, I was like, wow, every time I watch it, it's it's just awesome. Like it fulfills everything I want it to fulfill in that in that genre, and it's great. Everybody wow. is, and it's it's cool. Like again, you know, kind of what Drew hit on. Like like you know, the main character he's like a you know he's a horror movie fan as well. So you're like, oh, I understand, and nobody else kind of gets it except his girlfriend, who you're like, wow, his girlfriend likes to hang out and watch horror movies. Bad, you know. Even bad horror movies. She is a pretty cool girlfriend. Of, that's that's true. She, you know, she is and very she's cool. Marcy Darcy from. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she's Marcy Darcy. Very, very she uh, she puts up with the she puts up with her boyfriend's uh, stuff like with a tremendous amount of patience. I mean, you know, and and I I think the the only place where that I, I'm shocked at the diff, the amazing different number of uh, of Dicky overall sets that she has. I mean I, I think <laughs> I think I think this this young woman wore maybe like five different and differently colored overall sets in this movie. Um and uh I'm not sh- I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they they stuck her in those things, but <laughs> I maybe Julia can shed light on that because you can remind me whether you ever wore these. Um and you know it's got like this kind of like homage to a bunch of different stuff. It's even got like some rear window you know, oh yeah, as if it's oh, an eighties, you know, oh, yeah. horror movie. That's cool too. It's, it's got some groovy, like, and and again, with the vampires of the eighties. It's got some groovy, like, cinemaxy erato vampirism going oh, on. Oh yeah, well, it ha- I mean, that's another reason to watch it when you're young. Like, yeah, oh, man, it's got right, it's got boobs. Because when you're staying up at night and you turn on like Showtime After Dark or whatever it is that they called it, you always look for the AS, you know, the adult situations, which right. vampire vampire movies were bound to deliver. And an 80s, uh, you know, dance. It's got the 80s dance with 80s, uh, whatever yes. people thought was 80s fashion and <laughs> in the nightclub. Like, that's pretty cool, too. So I don't know. It does everything. It does everything I wanted to do. I want to know what backlot. Uh, actually, you know what? We're getting it. We're, we're yeah. getting away from first impressions. Julia, um, tell me your first impressions about this movie because I don't know if this is part of your childhood the way it appears to be for everybody. No, else. see, that's the thing. It's like if if the definition of a cool girlfriend is the girl who likes horror movies, and I'm like the uncoolest girlfriend. Of course, I'm I'm thankful that I know people who would not consider that to be the definition of the cool girlfriend. So I feel confident that in some people's definition of cool girlfriend, I probably was one. <laughs> But not in y'all's definition, and I totally respect that. However, I, as usual, am coming at this movie not having seen it before, and I kind of like that. I'm always the novice who's never seen the movie before. I get to, to kind of introduce the, um, you know, the first timers 
yep. like not having seen this in the 80s when when it actually was at home with itself. Um, but uh, no, I'm 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 pleased with the movie. I don't love it as much as you guys do, but I liked that uh, it actually did what Van Helsing did not do, which is which is realize that it was funny, you know, and kind of go, okay, I'm okay with the fact that I'm a funny movie. And I'm also going to be a creepy movie, but I had not seen it partly because I was afraid to be afraid. I was, I thought it was going to be terrifying and it's not terrifying, but there are some creepy things, man, there's some like effects that are just scary, scary. But, um, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. I thought there were some good laughs. I thought there were some even more laughs where there didn't, where they didn't, I don't think intend for there to be good laughs, (laughs) but uh, that's my favorite kind. So, so, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Very, very cool. I, I, and I'm curious about the creepiness, like what you thought was really creepy, but we can, we can get into it uh, in a minute. Uh, my first impressions, I, okay, I love, I love the 80s. I especially love low-budget movies in the 80s. This movie was uh, you know, uh, directed by uh, Tom Holland in, uh, in 85. This is the guy who had written, among other things, Class of 1984, which is like one of my all-time favorite low-budget movies of the 80s. I love low-budget comedies of the 80s, you know, like Just One of the Guys and stuff like that. And the reason why is that with a low-budget movie, you know, with a big-budget movie, costumers buy lots of expensive clothes and put them on the actors. But with a low-budget movie, they just tell you to show up at 2 o'clock on Saturday and wear your best sweater. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm certain that Chris Sarandon probably had that sweater provided to him. But, you know, you really do get to see, like, the 80s in these movies. So I, I love that I loved the, uh, you know, all of the just sort of affection that this movie has for horror. I loved all of the fake old 60s horror movies that didn't exist, but that, you know, you, you had all these like little films playing on TV all the time with with uh, Roddy McDowell dressed up like Peter Cushing. And that was just, that was just yeah. outstanding. Um, so I, I, I was, I was really, really pleased with this. And, and it's just interesting to see, um, where it stands, you know. I'm curious and, if, the, if you guys yeah. thought that Roddy McDowell was supposed to be Peter Cushing or Vincent Price, because I was thinking he was well, supposed to be Vincent he's, Price. He's, he's, both, he's, he's a bit of both. Yeah. 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 I mean, the name, the name says it, Peter Vincent. Yeah. Right. It's interesting to me about about that character, and we should just get into characters. Um, uh, and and I want to get to 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 Roddy McDowell, but we should probably start with the main guy. The really important guy here, which I guess is Chris. Boy, I just feel this gravitational tug to talk about Roddy McDowell in this movie. But I want to talk about Chris Sarandon first. Um, well, you can start with Roddy McDowell because he's the first one we see. Remember, because we see because we start with the the, the movie yeah, starts you're right. with, with the movie starts with the vampire with another vampire movie playing, and you kind of thought you kind of think that you're hearing the yes. actual movie, but you're actually hearing a movie inside a movie, and that part cracked yeah, me up because. Right. Huh? Okay, so let's we'll, we'll start start with Roddy McDowell because I think I think if there were no Roddy McDowell in this movie, there this this would be a this would not be an interesting movie. I don't think anybody would remember. Well, it. What I was gonna say was that part cra- that that cracked me up because when you see Roddy McDowell, he's about to stake a vampire and he's got he's holding the stake backwards. <laughs> That's oh my god! I thought like from the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is a funny. Movie. And then the fake kissing noises and all that stuff it was just I knew it was supposed to be funny. So I was like, okay, at least I know it. This one's supposed to be funny and not you know accidentally funny. So, so Roddy McDowell, um, I, you know, Drew, you said that, that this movie is a, a big part of your childhood. I take it that Roddy McDowell's portrayal here is is a part of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to somehow. I knew they didn't exist, and I, you know, as a, as a horror geek kid, of course, I knew that they were referencing Hammer. But you know, I found myself wishing that I could go back and somehow find these fake yeah. vampire movies that Peter Vin- you know, I, I I love the concept of, of Peter Vincent vampire killer. And also, you know, once you get into the guts of the movie where he's this this sort of almost like a, 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 you know, an Elvira where it's like he's an actor that was portraying a role but the role somehow eventually uh took over his whole life. Yeah. To the point where by the end of the movie he's actually living out one of his own movies, but he's not entirely sure he wants to be there. He mm-hmm. you know, he's not perfectly brave. He's he's point of fact at times rather cowardly. Yeah. But it makes it makes when he finally musters up the courage 
um, and, and sort of drops the act because when he first goes to confront the vampires, he sort of immediately goes into his Peter Vincent vampire killer character. Yes. And then eventually he he overcomes that and literally becomes a real vampire killer. But it's it's endearing because he actually has this sort of hero's journey. You know, he's, he's not terrified. a fully formed. Yeah, he's not a fully formed like he's not the Hugh Jackman character from the previous movie. He's not right. even you know the Peter Cushing character that he's sort of spoofing. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's also not like one of the Frog Brothers either. Like you think no. he's gonna, you think he's gonna be because you're like he's like oh yeah vampires of course and then he kind of realizes like wait wait you're serious <laughs> I don't yeah, yeah, he, wait a second no I'm not really really a vampire hunter <laughs> hey but you know what I am kind of so let me try that and then he, when he really really gets in the guts of it he's yeah you're right I mean he's unsure like he's like yeah I'm the well, vampire has- hunter but yes I'm also the actor and I don't know. If I don't know if I want to be vampire vampire He has this wonderful. He has this wonderful line where he kind of looks. At, I think he's looking at himself in the mirror or something, and he goes, "I am Peter Vincent, the great vampire hunter or vampire killer." And I'm thinking it's had, it's had this total. Um, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me kind of vibe to exactly. it. You know? like, well, I, I always feel like he's he's acting. He, he, it's like he's looking for direction because he's yeah. an actor. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What's my motivation?" And he yeah. does eventually. There, he also has another line that I think is very important to his character is, you know, when he finally does get to the point where he's, he's you know, I'm going to do this, he says, so far everything has been just like it was in the movies. Yeah. And that's yeah. very important because he is living out his, you know, the, the movie the movie version of Peter Vincent, the character of Peter Vincent. Yes. Um, it's sort of this idealized version of himself, but it's not even really himself. He even says, it's not even my real name. Yeah, we never even learn his real name. He's Al yeah. Lewis, fully and become he, grandpa in a sense. You know? he, and then he sort of crosses over to the real thing when, at the very end, pretty much, when he's holding out the cross to um, to the, what's the, I can't remember the bad guy's name. Jerry. Um, yeah, Jerry. to Jerry. And he says, you know, and it says, that's not going to work with me because you have to have faith. So then he kind of pulled it back and then he pushes it out again. And it's kind of like this, how about now? Does it work now? And all of a sudden he's like, whoa, what, what happened? <laughs> you know? Where? So I think that's kind of the, the moment when he actually accepts it and goes, you know what? I'm doing yeah, about this. That. this is real. That was actually, I, I, I I'm not, I, well, I'll let I'll let it go. I mean, that's a that's going to be a mulligan. There's a lot of mulligans in this movie, and that's one that I'm not completely certain about. Where, where you know the the rules the rules of whether the cross works seem to kind of float, and, um, <laughs> well, and that's okay. It, well, the cross, the cross does work. You just have to. You, it doesn't work universally. I feel like they they plan it out like for a really old vampire like Jerry. Um, you have to have. You have to augment the power of the cross with faith. your own faith. Yeah. You have to believe in it. Um, like it an funny. atheist could not just whip it out, you know. Uh, but you know, for for Ed, who gets you know poor pathetic Ed, who gets just turned into a vampire, it's gonna scorch him and leave a permanent abrasion. Yes. On him, I, I feel is like the dialogue the, is that covers the that pretty well. Ed, evil Ed, yeah, the the squeaky. Guy. That, he doesn't turn into a vampire. They turn into like a a, a werewolf. No, no. vampires can't turn into wolves. Why oh, right, right, right. So, so can you somebody explain that to me? Because that confused the heck out of me. Where? Chapter 18 of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, <laughs> Dracula can turn into wolves. And what page is that, Mr. Henderson? <laughs> <laughs> what, what page and what paragraph? No. <laughs> it is. Uh, turning into, you know, that, that actually is how Dracula gets uh, off the Demeter onto Oh, onto I did not know that. I was so confused by that. I was like, well, is he a vampire or is he a werewolf? I don't understand, because at one point he's a vampire. And the, okay. I didn't know that there oh, was wait a you see, Wait till you see Fright Night 2. You'll be yeah, even okay. more confused. Yeah. Well, also, I thought it was funny that Charlie, like, the cross always works for Charlie. Yes. Yes, he is. Charlie is a man of true faith. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, you know, Peter Vincent. He really is. Like, mm, uh, you know, he, they automatically go, whatever, Peter Vincent. Mm-hmm. And, yes. like, you know, it doesn't even matter. But for for Charlie, it always works. I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. You know, the the, the other thing I, I, I was thinking about Roddy McDowell. First of all, I just watched another Roddy McDowell movie, like, just a few days before watching this. And that was, uh, you know, The Legend of Hell House. And oh, I love that movie. God bless, that's a great movie. I mean, just outstanding. And Roddy McDowell 
turns in kind of a variation on this part in a sense in that he is closed off and he has to actually open himself up to be willing to fight. And I was, in in this movie, and of course it's just not this kind of movie, I was begging for a little bit more Joss Whedon-y kind of earnestness where it would have been nice after you have Roddy doing his I am Peter Vincent, the Great Vampire Hunter, I wanted a full-on Inigo Montoya scene there. It would have been great to have he, him be like probably beaten to a pulp and having to dredge his his body up again and keep repeating his mantra as he plunges forward. I'd like to see you know, something more like that because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Nevertheless. Maybe in the remake. Yes. <laughs> Maybe, although... The concept of a TV horror uh, host is such an antiquated one that uh, actually I don't know if that's true. If we have younger people in the audience, and we do have a few people uh, who, you know, when we open it up, the end, I'm curious if younger people even know what a horror host I, is. I can care. tell you, it's not a completely lost from from personal experience. It's not a completely dead. And would that even matter? Right? I mean, this is another thing. Would it even matter if, if anyway? The, the point is, they've changed it now. So now, yeah, because he's people a magician don't, in the new one, isn't he's it? a magician, which I think is, uh, by the way, that is kind of stupid. Because if you're going to get rid of the idea that he's a TV host because that's antiquated, but change him into a stage magician, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I don't but, know. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's a discussion for when we actually do yes. Fight Night 2011. Okay, let's talk about Charlie. Uh, Drew, you're the best offender. <laughs> give me your give me your take, I, your take on Charlie. Um, I grow. I, I can say Charlie. I, I feel like he's a wish fulfillment character. Um, you know, he is the horror fan that actually gets to go up against a bona fide real monster and triumph. Yeah. Now, I think uh, Chris Sarandon plays him about as you know, well as you can play a wish fulfillment character. I mean, we I don't know. feel like... William Ragsdale, just to, just to, to throw... Yeah, sorry, Chris Sarandon. I'm, I'm, getting, yeah. I'm getting Chris Sarandon is, Chris Sarandon is Jerry. Yeah. Uh, William Ragsdale. Um, he plays him about as well as... Uh, you know, he's a teen actor in an 80s movie. And, you yeah. know, could he have been... I will say that I will say this. There, the, I think he, overall he's a very compelling character for what you know. You have him. You feel empathy for him. That no one, absolutely no one, believes him. And admittedly, there are parts where, I, if I were to run across this guy, I would think he was insane because he's just raving. But what's really happening is he's fearing for his life. And I think I think Ragsdale plays that off well. Yeah. Um, but there's one part in the movie that bugs me, since he is supposed to be this horror fan, is the part where he goes and sees Ed. Where he goes and sees Ed. And yes, pays, thank he you. pays him eight bucks to give him information that, like, you, anybody that has seen one vampire movie. Yeah, what the hell? I, no, I did not understand that, that scene at all. I, I, that I think was they were just the places... trying to establish Ed. I think they were just trying to establish Ed's character a little more, but it, 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 it is a disservice yeah. to... Charlie, because Charlie, you see, he's staying up all the time, watching, uh, watching uh, horror films. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. One, one vampire movie would give you all that information. Let alone, yeah, you're right. Um, I think they were well, trying to give Ed stuff to do, but uh, that that scene. There are a couple scenes here where Charlie's character is not well served mm-hmm. by the script, and, and I, I, I don't, I don't. I, I mean no disrespect to Tom Holland, but you know that well, like that really scene from the is beginning. Lazy, I think. I mean, from the beginning, no, whenever I mean, he, whenever the scream next door, he hears like the scream. He's over there and he kind of like stares and it's, he has this. Oh, I'm sure it was nothing kind of look, and then the next day, you know, so it's like he doesn't even bother to check out. You know, was everything okay? Even though he's seen all this evidence that something horrible has happened, but so he does seem to kind of to venture very slowly into the hero. Uh, and even later on, you know, there's another time when he's just kind of sitting around and there's all this fighting going on. And he, when Roddy's fighting with um, uh, Jerry or something, and he's just kind of waits for a while before he ever does anything. I don't think he even does anything in that scene. So there's definitely points where you just kind of go, okay, guy, let's, you know, take on, you got to embrace this hero thing a little bit faster because we've got time as of the essence, you know. Yep. I, and I think we have to just pretend that scene didn't happen really where he goes to see it. Go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, one thing I did like, though, is they, they just kind of they kind of made him just the average guy. 
Yeah. Like, he's not, like, a lot of times you have this character who's, like, a horror fan or whatever, and he's, like, a complete outcast, right? Oh, look, it's the creepy horror guy. And yeah. he's just a guy in the very middle of high school that probably nobody would remember at the class reunion. Yes. You know, other than, yes. Except he was involved in all this crazy crap during the movie. But if none of that happened, he would just be, oh, who's that guy again? And, yeah. you know, even but he then doesn't he have does any real good friends. It, and, like, I mean, even Ed, like, Ed's the weirdo. Ed's the kind of weirdo outcast. And even he kind of doesn't, I mean, he has to pay Ed to help him. Yes. Like, they're not good friends. Well, they that's to be actually friends, and they kind of put up with each other. But it's it's, you know, it's not like, um, like one of my favorite kind of '80s horror movies, Trick or Treat, where you have, you know, the outcast guy and then his buddy. <laughs> Thank and, you for mentioning Trick or Treat. <laughs> and but they're kind of a more typical, you know, somebody on the fringe, and then the buddy who's like kind of more into things, and everybody just goes, "Oh, it's that guy's kind of more normal friend." And they've kind of flipped that a little bit with this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, he's, he's just he's this guy, and he happens to like horror movies. But it's not, you know, too many times I think during, even during that period, especially now, like if somebody's going to be a fan, it's all about horror. And, like, there's just, like, this weirdo outcast. And, oh, you see, let me mention everything. And let me mention crazy obscure facts that, don't even really make sense or whatever, you know. Yeah. And they, yeah, they no, just you're kind right. of left him as the everyman. I thought that worked pretty well. Well, well that's, at the same that's time, true. that scene still that scene still makes him look a little, a little. I don't know, but then again, what? Oh you no, that was silly. Like what he asked for is silly. But what I'm saying is, like his character in general, yeah, like is, ah, okay. is pretty cool because he's not. He's just like a guy who really really likes horror movies. They didn't like overburden it, and you know. A lot of times, a, a lot of horror movies tend to do that. Like, everybody's on the extremes, right? The jocks yeah. are on one extreme, yeah. and this guy's on the other extreme. This guy's just kind of like a guy. He's got a, you know, kind of average just a guy who's making who, it. Yeah. who likes, you know, likes hanging out with him, and they watch horror movies together and stuff. And and then he's thrust into this kind of, like, really crazy situation that, you know, he You know, when Jerry, when Jerry figures out... The moment that Jerry, like, reveals that he knows that Charlie is on to him, it gets it does get genuinely scary. There, there are there. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think I mean I think the reason he does sort of once once he finally does kind of embrace the hero thing the hero role is because his mom is in danger, which I think is kind of a neat yeah, yeah. a neat little piece where it's like you know well I would have just let let this go and pretend I didn't see anything except that now this guy's after my mom and he's all. I, I love this part where he's, you know, um, where Jerry comes into the house and says, "Oh yeah, I got. I would never come over without being invited, but now that I'm, now that I have been, I'll, I'll come over whenever I want." And then he's like, "To the mom, oh, of course, if she's okay." <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude. But you know, it's pretty terrifying if this, you know, whatever kind of predator it doesn't have to be a vampire, just some predator is, you know, dating your mom. You're going to be kind of yeah. have to get a little bit more of man of the house kind of um, role, I think. That's right. Just this encroaching, encroaching guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. So that's that's good with Jerry. How about let, let's, you let's mean talk with Charlie. about Charlie? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Charlie. Let's talk about <laughs> Jerry though. Let's talk about Chris Sarandon um, because I think this movie really is dominated by these two wonderful, you know, adult roles. Um, I, you know, by the way, uh, uh, Charlie. By the way, was probably. You know he's he's playing a teen. He's probably in his twenties, but but yeah, Chris Sarandon as he's as cool. Jerry. Tony, you want to start with Chris? Sure. I thought. I mean, I thought he was pretty pretty interesting. I mean, he's a vampire named Jerry. For one yes. thing, like it's just kind of like okay, you know, he doesn't have any extra like. Oh man, this guy has this crazy history. He's come from somewhere, but you know, he's like a pretty suave eighties kind of playboyish looking guy who, you know, likes to date hot chicks evidently because yeah. Yeah. who doesn't really see him and then and then hot eighty eighty from the eighties perspective anyway, you know, like the blonde girl that you see, she's definitely like skinamax kind of has a skinamax look about her. Yeah. And then, you know, he shows up, I guess he does this from town to town until he gets driven out or gets bored and I guess goes from town to town you get this impression. And then, 
He doesn't like to be discovered. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird, though. It, maybe he does. I, I like to think that maybe that's his image. He's not very good at covering it up. Yeah, yeah I mean, he doesn't window open. And, well, he has the carpenter guy who's like his Renfield, who's also kind of a weird zombie. I thought there, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Like that this guy's Renfield is just like, like actually like a handy person to have around and actually pretty competent. Yes. And, you know, he's got this dude around who, and, although they, they're really close, you know. Like, yeah, okay. there was very much of a kind of a homoerotic. Like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, maybe maybe they've been around together for so long. They're just like, hey, we just hang out a lot. Like we're real close. Actually, to be <laughs> honest, until until Jerry put the make on on uh, Charlie's girlfriend, I was getting a a distinct homoerotic vibe off of this off of this family. Well, I mean, definitely he's yeah. with the the well, girls because I mean that's a part of. Well, that's true. You see him. You see him with these girls. So yeah, no, you're, he you're have totally to be right. exclusive. He's a vampire. He's a vampire. I mean, you know, he yeah. can have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. He can have twelve of them. I mean, exactly. oh, Dracula has three wives. Yes. Yeah. Plus, I don't think he's with the girls. I mean, he's with he's he's about he like bites their necks. I don't I don't necessarily see that he's uh, well, has a sexual relationship with them. I think he just gets them in his house. You know what well, I mean? Like also, he's able to hit on them and attract them, but I don't know that he actually, you know, has a sexual relationship with them. But whereas the guy that he lives with, I don't know if they have a sexual relationship, but they definitely have an intimate relationship. I mean, they even he seems kind of hugs on him and like puts his chin on his shoulder and, and all that kind of thing. You know, and they have their their kitschy, kitschy decor in their creepy house, you know, and that kind of you're, thing. You're, so. you're absolutely right. There are a couple of slacks-wearing, sweater-wearing guys who bought this old house and are fixing it up together and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. making friends with the, the lovely little family pa- next Painting door. the windows black, yep. Yeah, no, also, they're doing... Also, randomly, Jerry has, a, like, an old painting of, um, you know, the girl. Oh, God. Like Can you please into, like, just like, smack me in the head? Like, Jesus. Ah. They, Hang well, on, let me find something I can bang my head on. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you know though, I kind of, I kind of like that about it. That, 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 you know, yeah, it's a hackneyed thing in vampire movies, but they don't really go too much into Jerry's background. Yeah. They no, no. have a lot of presumed stuff, and that, that's about the only thing you get on him. It. It's a shorthand for how, for creating a need for the script to turn. To Jerry going after the girlfriend. That's all it is. It, well, they didn't even have an explanation of why she looks like her. I mean, they should have said, you know, oh, it turns out this is the great, you know, the whatever great niece or something or great granddaughter of so, this woman. Well, here's oh. what's weird is they start. I kind of like that. Like it's there. It looks like it's going to go that way, mm-hmm. but really he gets it because he's like, oh yeah, Charlie. Well, how about some of this? I got yes. your girlfriend now. Like that, it, it looks that like makes it's going to go sense. like, oh, we were fated to be. And that never happens. He just does it out of. By the time he gets the girl, it's out of pure spite. Like, You're right. You're right. So it's, the weird thing that, with, it's weird that yeah. it's in there because it looks like, ah, oh, it's gonna go that way, and then, hmm, like, no, I got your chick. Come get her. It is a script element that gets utterly dropped, and and thank God, but it shouldn't have made it. It's just like the scene where where Charlie goes to ask Ed what he knows about vampires mm-hmm. that should have been cut. That This scene with the painting should have been cut because it's a plain rip from Richard Matheson again. And, and, and I could just kill Matheson, who is one of my favorite writers, but I could just kill Matheson for having, having invented this stupid reincarnation plot that has been hustled out so many times since Dan Curtis's Dracula that, that you know, and... God, you know, it's like every cartoon of this period. If you think about, like, you know, Spider-Man's going to go up against Dracula, I guarantee you that if Spider-Man has a friend who is a girl, she will look just like somebody that Dracula misses. And I, I just, ah, uh, uh, I just hate that plot. So anyway, <laughs> it sneaks in, and um, and then we never hear from it again. So, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I probably need, <laughs> I probably don't need to overreact. But but there you are. Um Okay, so also in the middle of this movie, you know, I love this movie, except for the problem is if we talk about it for this long, you begin to, like, pick it apart. Also in the middle of this movie, um, it changed – one of the concepts of the way all the teenagers are together sort of changes from we kind of barely know one another. These two are dating, and these two are kind of acquaintances. And suddenly they're like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys because the girlfriend and evil Ed, of all people – get together because because of their mutual concern 
for Charlie to go and do a second interview with Roddy McDowell. And that made me think, you know, we should have seen utterly different scenes early on showing what a crazy bunch these guys are. And um, uh, Because, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I loved the business of them together. But we didn't get one line where she goes to Ed and goes, hey, uh, you know me, I'm actually Charlie's girlfriend, and I'm thinking of, since we clearly live near Los Angeles, I'm thinking of driving down to Burbank and going to the TV studio. You want to come because I think Charlie, blah, blah, blah. And he'd go, oh, yeah, well, you've never talked to me ever, but okay, maybe we can use your car. You know, that that scene doesn't happen. All of a sudden they're together, you know, like they always hang out. I, I just would have seen, I would have liked more of this teen stuff, and maybe that could have happened if we had cut out the freaking painting. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, you know, I have to say, you know, as somebody that, that I, I, you know, I've, I've never cared about that until now. <laughs> I never even thought about any of this stuff until now. Maybe that's something wrong with me. <laughs> it is possible that you can overanalyze uh, these movies. Um, so, Not okay. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about Amy and Evil? Um, Julia, you had some thoughts about Evil. Oh, well, I just, first of all, I wish his voice would have changed before he became a vampire because it's kind of sad that he's going to be, well, of course he dies, but it's kind of sad that he's going to spend the rest of eternity with that screechy voice. <laughs> it's unclear to <laughs> so, me that he dies, but, that, <laughs> but go well, ahead. Okay. No, I guess you're right. I can't remember exactly how his, his story was resolved. But um, anyway, yeah, he's uh, he, yeah that voice. Because you're right. At the end, the, they have his voice from the other house, and he's like giggling and laughing or whatever. So he could actually be still alive. But yeah. um, no, that was so irritating to me. And then I also kind of thought about him that um, he was kind of because I think there was something uh, Jason that you had said before the call that um, about that you thought there was kind of a, a, a gay phobia aspect to this, like because of the time period and everything. So oh, that gay if panic. These guys, yes. Yeah. The gay panic. So that if they were, these guys were, were gay, it would make sense that you're kind of treating it like, Oh, those guys at that house, you know, those two guys that live over there. And I think there's part of that feeds into the thing when they turn Ed into a vampire, when he turns Ed into a vampire, because he's got this whole, take my hand, Ed, and it's very seductive, and it's like, you can come over here. And I just kind of start singing in my head, you know, take my, he- my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. Yes. <laughs> but it's just like very much of a, I mean, because, you know, obviously Jerry's whole thing is about seduction. Is every, I mean, he even carries a, he seems to carry a smoke machine around with him everywhere he goes. Yes. So well, he's all about the, the imagery. The imagery of Jerry with the, uh, with the apple, and he's constantly munching on apples. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very sort of biblical. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. Or, it's that the, is or, so yeah. or it's the witch from uh, from Snow White. Well, I guess he's not. She doesn't. That's know. that's true. Yeah, I never <laughs> yeah. thought about it that way. But absolutely. That's beautiful, though. That that that's a, that's a great thought about the apple. I I was astonished, by the way. We're back on Jerry, but Jerry is such a fascinating character. I I was just astonished at um, you know, how modern he is. How whatever the heck his name once was, he's going by Jerry. He's, he's eating apples and he's wearing pleated pleated pants and and Cosby sweaters and he's listening and he's to just, new wave music. Yeah, and he's listening to new wave music and he appears to be walking around in an '80s video. With, and by the way, let's talk about this backlot for a second. I swear to you, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're looking at um, Wisteria Lane. I, I think that's that same backlot. That, uh, that from Desperate Housewives, for those of you who don't know what yes. Wisteria Lane is. I, I think we're looking at the same back lot that Desperate Housewives is on, the same back lot that The Monsters was on. I think that's that same back Oh, that'd be great if it was the same one as The Monsters. <laughs> I, yeah. I, can't, I can't be completely sure. Um, well, I mean, I can if I do a little more research, but you know, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I don't know for sure right now. But um, One thing that, I don't understand about Jerry, though, is like he, you know, he tries to be subtle and he does things to to mess with Charlie so as not to be like, hey, that's weird. You think I'm a vampire, you know, or other people be like, vampires? That's crazy. And then mm-hmm. when when push comes to shove, for no good reason in the dance club, he's like, and now it's time to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> and you're like, what well, dude? That was so weird, right? All of a sudden hands, he decides like, his- I he's gonna go public, that, and he's gonna go public by killing the two black guys in the movie. Yeah. Yes. I, think, I think it was wow. at that point he was fed up, and ultimately, I feel like uh, the way Chris Sarandon 
plays him. He's got a little bit of Bela Lugosi, um, but the, you know the way he uses his trench coat and his sort of body language. But he's got a whole lot of Christopher Lee. Like yeah, he yeah, yeah. Pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's true. So there's arrogance involved, and that might, you know, he does he does a lot of extraordinarily risky stuff. Like if he were a truly badass vampire, I'm guessing who didn't who wanted to keep surviving, he would have painted over his upper stories as well. I think this guy has has a death wish, you know. Well, maybe that's why he moves from town to town. He's like, he's <laughs> fed up. He kills yeah, a bunch of guys in a dance club, <laughs> and he's like, well, carpenter guy, let's uh, man, I can't remember his name. Anyway. Let's, yes. let's, I think it's like I'm going to go to a new town and paint some more windows black. So okay, I'll tell you what, guys. I want to I want to talk. Spend the next five minutes talking about the where this movie fits into the whole uh, vampire movie universe. And then uh, I know that there's at least one person on the on the call who might have who has questions. So. Uh, well, I want to say about about that just that um, as far as the actual yeah vampire, general thoughts and also where it fits. Go ahead, Joy. Yeah, yeah, just well, just about the vampire himself. That's what's going to transition into, into anyway is um, the vampire that he turns into. That's when you asked me what was creepy. It's that not the vampires all look different from each other, which I thought was really interesting because a lot of like you know I'm a huge <laughs> fan of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but they always look the same. The vampires, and here it's like the vampire that Jerry is is completely different from the vampire that Amy turns into. And boy, that's a terrifying face on her. Oh, Amy's but, um, you know, like his, Huh? Amy's grotesque. That used to give me nightmares she, when I was She was there. grotesque and horrifying. And then, of course, Char- <laughs> what's his name? Um, Ed becomes like that wolf, you know, sort of the whatever vampire that turns into the wolf. So I, mean, I just felt like there was a lot of, like there was, they were very individual. I don't know if, if that fits into any other movie. If there's another movie like that where, each each vampire is sort of individual to himself, I guess, as to how he's going to manifest in his monstrous form. Uh, I what I what I wanted to point out is uh, oh by the way that that hand puppet that Jerry turns into is uh, is like on display in the director's house. Well, the house. bat is scary too. The bat is super the bat scary. is extremely scary. It looked like that thing coming out of you know the the cover of Bat Out of Hell. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this movie comes out in 1985, so that means that it is two years after The Hunger, and uh, it's two years before The Lost Boys. I mean, and this is just like, I mean, it's the lean years of vampire films. You know, you 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 really didn't have a lot. It was in other words, when this movie comes out, what the context, the horror context that it's coming out in are slasher movies. That's what Roddy McDowell says, and he's right. You know, it's. It's all slasher movies at the time. Friday the Thirteenth. What everybody looks forward to every year is the new Friday the Thirteenth movie. And is Halloween before this? Halloween, yes. Halloween, because uh, that, Halloween is nineteen seventy-eight, I think. Yeah, because there's kind yeah. of an homage to Halloween, I think, in that the the carpenter guy, Cole, or whatever his name is, at the bottom of the stairs, he suddenly like you know he, everybody thinks he's dead, and then he suddenly creepily kind of gets up in the he background, and it reminded me so much of that Halloween scene. Yes, so Halloween uh, came out in '77 or '78. I can't remember. Anyway, so uh, and I think you're right, Drew. It's '78, and then you had Halloween two before this movie came out. You know, and like I say, you get you get the hunger in there in '83. Life force, huh? Life force. Life force. Toby Life force. Yes, yes. So you had you had science fiction vampires, and then you had the hunger, and then this is kind of a a an almost genteel, you know, look back at older vampires, and it's so it's it's just interesting to fit it in, into that context. I mean, all the stuff that doesn't exist when this movie is happening, Lost Boys and Near Dark have not happened. Vampire the Masquerade, okay, that gives us all this vocabulary about vampires won't come around until 1991. All right, so this is six years before Vampire the Masquerade comes around. You know, obviously it's years before Twilight. Vampire Lestat, the book comes out the year this movie comes out, meaning the book Vampire Lestat had no bearing whatsoever on Jerry. It's it's so wild to see this this movie trapped in amber uh, before our you know uh, vampires were going to be sort of blown open again. Um, so that's 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 my thought on that. Also, it just looks so freaking eighties. You, you just look at it and they just don't make movies like this anymore with with you know the backlots and and all the smoke machines and stuff. You just, nothing is that. Don't forget the fountains and fountains of 
fake slime and latex. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, hydraulic gore. Tony and I have talked about this a lot. That we love we love these movies with hydraulic gore, you know, and and uh, also the scene where Jerry bites Amy is so cinemaxy, uh, you know, and it's so much like that. That's the other thing going on with vampire movies in the '80s is is this super cheesy saxophony. You know, uh, uh, there will be a Casio. couple of them. Huh? The Casio that score. Very right. 80. Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 it, and sounds you know, like, it sounds like porno music. And I can go for that. You know, the, the, I, I, you know, the, like there's there was one movie that came around, uh, actually it was like two years after this, or a few years after this, which was Dance of the Damned and also uh, To Sleep with a Vampire, uh, which sounds oh, a lot... Yeah. You know, and those were the same movie, by the way. Both of them. It was the same movie made twice by Roger Corman in like three years. Literally, took the same scripts, made it twice. Um, and uh, you know, yeah. So, so it fits into that. I, I, I really. I, so I, I loved this. I just, I can't recommend it enough, especially if people are looking forward to the Colin Farrell thing. Anybody else want to say something before we take take a question? Um. You you talk about what uh, what it means to be an '80s vampire, and I think um, as Near Dark and um, Lost Boys eventually proved, is you had to be some kind of uh, punk rock casualty. Whereas um, Jerry is sort of the last aristocratic, you know, upper class vampire. He's a yuppie. And yeah. you know, I, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of um, the Patrick Bateman character from American Psycho. Of course, in this case, he's a literal monster instead of just sort of a psychological one. That's right. Um, so, I mean, after Fright Night, I feel like vampires became a lot more blue collar. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, actually, I, I hate to say this, but I think that's one of the things that I always kind of wasn't crazy about about Near Dark is that they are so scuzzy that, you know, it just doesn't look that fun. It looks, like, deeply uncomfortable all the time, which I get is the point. You know, well, <laughs> you know? I get it. It's not the, like, twittering, sit around and play cards all day version in Underworld. <laughs> they actually go out and do something. <laughs> I hate those vampires so much. <laughs> when Tony and I saw Underworld in Austin, I remember he came out and he goes, I want to kill all those vampires <laughs> sitting around in the drawing room. <laughs> That's all they do. <laughs> and well, call up Peter like... Vincent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. What, um, you know, all the all the army vampire characters come back and they they've been doing something and all these other vampires just sit around because they're just, I guess, they're supposed to be aristocratic, but it just looks like boredom and ridiculousness. And they're just, like, twittering, like, look, the people who do things are back. <laughs> the people. You're like, oh, man, if that's what it's like to be a vampire, just sign me up for the werewolf side. Because I do not want to sit around and play in bridge for eternity, laughing at the people who are actually getting stuff done. You're so right. It's so funny. I saw, I don't know, I saw the first Underworld, and I, um, you know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't gone to the trouble of watching uh, any of the other ones. Oh well, you know, while we wait to see if, if uh, because we had a guest on the line, and and I think she's still there, but I don't know if the question is coming through. So, uh, in the meantime, um, I wanted to open things up for any other. Uh, endorsement that you'd like to give for anything horror or vampire related that you've come across recently that you want to share. Um, and uh, anybody, anybody think of one? Do you want me to pick one of you at random? Oh, I, I have, I have something. If no right. one else does, I have something to share with the class. Go um, crazy! I would like to share um, the the very well. It's been put out in the last year or so. Uh, Saga of Solomon Kane comic book collection put out by Dark Horse Comics, and of course uh, that is uh, um, Robert E. Howard's uh, Puritan Monster Hunter. They've taken Absolutely. a lot of his old uh, his old uh, pulp stories and put them into uh, comic book form back in the '70s and '80s. Well, Dark Horse was kind enough to take all of those and slap them into one uh, fun book sized. Uh, 
black oh, and white comic book. Oh, that sounds great. It that is sounds the, fantastic. The, the pages are gorgeous, and if you're a fan of both monsters and uh, pulp heroes, which I am of both, um, that you would do well to pick this out. And Solomon Kane, of course, is uh, the name, the actual namesake of uh, Solomon Hitch, the character in my comic Halloween Man. Little little plug there. Of course. Um, and uh, this is a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I I plowed through this in probably a matter of days, um, even though it's very big. And you know, if you're a fan of old comic books, can't. And there's even a even a, a a story arc where Solomon Kane fights Dracula. So there you go. Oh wow! I have to read that. I I absolutely well, have to read that. Did, did either of you? Up, my brother. Were even yeah. were any of you able to to get a hold of the movie? Is it out on DVD or anything? Like it just kind of. Oh, the Solomon Kane movie. I yeah. still haven't seen it. I really want to. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be at least worth checking out once, and then I never. I heard it was good. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It just disappeared, which is kind of a shame because I was pretty excited about it. Well, weirdly enough, it's not even on Netflix yet, uh, no, but, but I'm sure it'll show up. It showed up in Europe, and that was about it. You know, they did a they did a uh, a movie version of the Three Investigators, which is like one of my favorite book series when I was a kid, but it was only in like Sweden. <laughs> so, and, so. Uh, you know, and I, I I may be able to find a DVD where they've like sub, you know translated it into into English. Right. Or something. Well, that is what the internet is for these days. So. That, yes. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um. So I I just on general principle want to want to endorse Netflix streaming. I mean, my life has been just utterly changed by having that available for for classic vampires. I've been I've been watching. You know, on you know, I, I watch Netflix over the Wii, which is like super easy. And I've been watching, you know, Mexican horror movies. I've been watching. Well, know, I watched Buffy the Vampire movies. Slayer for years, and now I'm so happy to have that available to us. Every every Maybe episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, a, a bunch of a bunch of Hammer movies. Just so I watched uh, when I was cleaning up the garage. I watched Dracula's Daughter on Netflix streaming. They just have. So much stuff. What I just put into the queue is Hercules in the Underworld, which is an Italian horror Hercules, sand and sandal and monsters movie with Christopher Lee. That's on there. I mean, there's so much stuff, and uh, it just blows my mind. I mean, it's the kind of thing that before Netflix existed, you know, I, I could get some attention by like knowing a lot about movies that were out there that nobody had ever seen. And Netflix is just changing, changing all of that. You know, um, because yeah, I've been watching the, a lot of those French like vampire movies, like yeah. the trashy ones. Although on, only some of them are subtitled, they can't seem to get it together, and the other <laughs> ones are dubbed, and they're dubbed pretty terribly. But when you watch them in a row, especially late at night, where it turns kind of into a a like a fever dream. Yes. Um, like there's all these like. Uh, you know, these and these are all like Dracula's fiance, uh, Lust for a Vampire, all those uh, movies. They, I love Lust they, for a they Vampire. They kind of by the way. all kind of. There's all these elements that are like they keep coming back to, like this beach scene and stuff like that. It's actually pretty cool. Oh yeah, I know what I, I haven't watched at all because I was saving it to watch with Rain. Um, on Netflix streaming, there is Rockula, and I thought about you. <laughs> Have you seen this? No, I've never oh, seen it. Oh, I saw it when I was a little boy. I haven't seen it in years. But, oh, uh, I think I think you need to stream it because I I wanted to watch it all, but then I was like, maybe I should watch this with Rain. It is so bizarre and so just. So I just I mean, pulled it, it up. It's a more spoof. 80s. I, it's so weird. It's so like I think it's gonna be good in in a very like its own way, but man, you. Jason, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. And Drew, I thought of you instantly. I was like, "Man, I need to watch this, and then get Drew to watch it, and then see if maybe we should discuss that sometimes." Because it is just really like I, I'm down. Yeah, very, that sounds fantastic. Very, uh, you know, '80s. Very, it's very much self-aware. You know, um, that's and that's really hard to do well. You know, to to pull off something that that is going to be. Wow, it's, you know, it's 1990, aware. so it's like, 
but it yeah. still doesn't feel like it's like when you see there's a few movies that are in eighty and eighty one mm-hmm. where people just haven't let go of the seventies yet. Yes, and it's it's kind of one of those movies. Where it's, yeah. nine, it's 90, but it feels like 87. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, Thomas yeah. Dolby's in it. <laughs> well, <laughs> and apparently Tony Basil. So, yeah. Uh, um, by the way, did you notice they have vampires, which you and I saw at uh, one of the midnight shows sure. at the draft house. John Carpenter? John uh, no, uh, yeah. Vampires with a Y, the one, um, uh, I, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's that's actually that's a Bom- hammer That's Pierre to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, um, it's, let's see, it's a British movie. Um, I'm just trying to remember if it was actually a Hammer movie or if it was um, one of the other one of the other studios. I'm pretty sure. Hammer knockoff. It is a, but it's really, it's it's really quite stylish. It's it's fine, fine Euro trash. It's 1974 this movie was, and I, I, I loved it. Anyway, so, and it's directed by Jose Ramon Laras, but it didn't look like a Spanish movie. Um Oh no, definitely not. I wouldn't have guessed. No, it looks like a British movie. It looks like it was shot. Uh, it looks like it actually was shot pretty much around um, uh, the, you know, Bray, you know, where they where they did camera stuff. You know, I, I I this is going to change the subject back to Fright Night for a second, but I'm online and I just looked up the, the poster for Fright Night, and I I want to endorse this poster because this is the sort of poster they didn't they don't make anymore. Oh, yeah. They don't make movies like this. That poster is gorgeous. And it looks great. It's the, the another one of those, you always saw that VHS cover. There's like yeah. these iconic VHS covers, and there were a lot of like rip-offs of that VHS cover. Wait, now, which one are we talking about? You're talking about the new one? The, the, um, no, uh, the, the original. No, no. With, the, original. with the sort of scary vampire wow. head floating in the yeah. clouds over the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Those painted those painted covers um are yeah, it's just gone. You know, it's so it's so strange how that doesn't exist anymore. Um I wonder if that'll ever come back into fashion. You know, I I've I've I hope that. so. Well we have yeah. we have probably used up uh most of our time, so um I I, I wanna say uh, I think we basically all like this movie. Um, I can't wait to get to the remake, and and uh, we'll decide really quickly whether we're going to do Fright Night Two, which we probably will. If not, we'll do something else, and then we're definitely going to do um, going to do Fright Night the remake. Um, so, uh, you know, thank you everyone. Um, I, for for my part, Alex Van Helsing, Voice of the Undead, comes out July 26, so definitely pre-order it and you know if you have a bookstore tell them to get it and uh uh drew anything you want to punch up and by the way your new story is well, awesome so go ahead thank you that's what i was going to plug i have a uh, brand spanking new web comic that i just updated with it is the first of a four-part story uh, it is 18 and up for thematic elements which you will find if you go and read thing, but uh, it's good. It's a good one. So please drop by Halloweenman.com and read it and give us your feedback. Sweet, the Halloween Man is awesome. <laughs> it, it, it really is. I've I've been loving Halloween Man for years. Tony, anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, just still uh, when I'm not talking about horror movies or playing video games, I. I'm in Deserts of Mars, and you can check us out at DesertsOfMars.com. So, also awesome. I have to add that to your introduction, actually. So, all right, very good, very good. DesertsOfMars.com. You have some of the coolest art for your band ever. Oh, yeah, and, our drummer is really rocking. Billy, he does all our art, and it's, uh, you know, space chicks and everything that's awesome about, you know, space rock and stoner rock kind of imagery with the space theme. Uh, we're lucky to have him in the band and doing our art. So. Outstanding. Julia, anything you want to punch up? No, I got nothing. Just what you guys said. Okay. <laughs> Outstanding. Okay. Uh, that's it. And I, I really appreciate everybody's time. And uh, if you have more questions about Fright Night or about Halloween Man or about Deserts of Mars or about Alex Van Helsing, um, let us know. Uh, like us and subscribe to us on Facebook. On, uh, well, Come to Alex Van Helsing, uh, the Facebook page, and, and like us and leave comments. Also, you can look for 
the Castle Dracula podcast on iTunes. And uh, please leave comments if you like, because we live and die by by ratings. Um, that's all I got. Tune in next time, and uh, thank you. I'm Jason. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. bye. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 